Hey cuties, I'm Madeline Kane. And I'm Keita Schroeder. And you're listening to That Slayer Show. Okay, Keita, what's going on with this podcast? So you and I are watching Buffy through different themes to understand a little bit more about the world we're living in. This week we're watching, well, we watched season one, episode two, The Harvest. We start every episode off with a one-minute recap. Then we're going to dive into the theme of responsibility, where we look at responsibility in relation to friendships, masculinity, and even reparations. Then we'll talk about what we liked, disliked about the episode, and at the end, we'll play a fun game. So, Keita, let me count you in for this minute recap. Are you ready? Ready, Freddy? Okay, three, two, one, go. All right, so it starts out with Buffy is back in the mausoleum, and she kicks uh, Luke away. And then she ends up saving Willow and Xander, except not Jesse. Jesse's nowhere to be found. And then they go back to the library, and Giles explains to Xander and Willow about vampires and uh, Buffy as the Slayer. And then they decide that Buffy needs to save Jesse, except Xander wants to go, and Buffy's like, no, I'm the Slayer, you're not. Right, and then Will helps them find the uh, entrance to the sewer where the vampires live by hacking into a computer. Right, and then they go to find Jesse, and then um, they run into Angel, and Angel's like, yeah, my name is Angel, and there's like some sexy banter, and then they and Buffy goes downstairs, and then, oh, into the little sewer system, and then meets Xander there. And Xander followed her, which is really annoying, and then they have to run away because they're outnumbered, because Jesse's a vampire. And then they get out, and kind of, and then, yes, they definitely escape. And then they go back to the library, and then they're like, okay, the harvest is happening tonight. And then Jesse is like, oh, shoot, the harvest is going to happen to the bronze. So they run to the bronze. And then and then they, Buffy saves the day and is great. And, and Jesse gets dusted by Xander on accident. Everyone's happy. Yep. <laughs> I think that was the entire episode. I think that went pretty well. Uh, there was one moment where, like, Luke was the vessel for the master. The master oh, was going to, like, rise because yeah. Luke was going to drink human's blood. And something about souls was involved, but the mechanics wasn't clear. So, for our theme of responsibility, Madeline, do you want to start us off this week? Yeah, so the way I approached responsibility when I was watching this episode was really thinking about what does it mean to be responsible for someone else, and to what extent does that take away from their agency? So, obviously, Buffy is feeling a lot of responsibility in this moment. Like, the one thing that keeps coming to my head is how Xander really wanted to go with her. Yeah. (laughs) And I have a lot of thoughts about that. But to keep it grounded in responsibility, I'm wondering to what extent does Buffy saying, no, you're not at all responsible, Xander, stay out of this. Does that take away his agency? Is that infantilizing or like, is that okay for someone to do? I love hearing how you came at it. I think I came at responsibility from a slightly different angle. I thought a little bit about how sometimes responsibility... We talked about this a little bit with our theme of identity, but sometimes it's kind of imposed on us. So we are responsible for some things. Yes, by choice sometimes, but also sometimes by circumstance. And so when I watched that scene where Buffy actually says, he's my responsibility because I'm the Slayer, and Xander says, no, I'm his friend. I thought about how Buffy is and has shown that she's she's the expert. She is the Slayer. She has these powers. And Xander wants, feels responsibility because he's his friend. But really, this might be one of those moments where you should step back and recognize that you don't have the ability to take responsibility. With power comes (laughs) great responsibility. An original (laughs) quote by Madeline Kane. So Xander just finds out that Buffy is the superhero. And yet he's still 
thinks he is the more is a going to be a helpful addition to the team going down to the sewer system to save Jesse and really he kind of rationalizes as being like oh he's my friend like I have to do something which honestly feels kind of selfish to me because it's like okay he's going to do this thing to make himself feel better to make himself feel useful when in reality he he could be putting himself at risk which therefore potentially puts Buffy in a position to save him as well and I I think Xander sure he felt this responsibility to his friend but I think I think that's sort of just like the superficial cover-up I think what he was covering up was his toxic masculinity complex when he says all right so I'm less than a man he's we see him equating his ability to protect the people close to him with his manhood and by Buffy who yes isn't close to his friend being the one that's going to save Jesse he feels like that takes away from his manhood and he pouts about it the fact that she has superpowers does not outweigh the fact that she's a woman and despite her having superpowers he still feels like he's the best like he should be the one going because he's the man tough pill to swallow this episode Xander Kato where else did you see responsibility in this episode so one one spot that I was interested in was one of my favorite scenes in the computer lab where Cordelia and her friends are just basically gossiping and saying untrue things about Buffy and Willow stands up for Buffy in a truly heroic way and is just proving herself as a loyal friend and you know Cordelia is ultimately mean back to her again and then Willow absolutely gets Cordelia and her friend by telling them to hit deliver for their computer program because she knows that delete is D-E-L and she's like what will they think when I say deliver? D-E-L. And she really just gets Cordelia in this really just clean, elegant, willow way. She's really smart with computers and so she uses that to her advantage. But I was wondering do you think standing up for Buffy was something she did just because it was the right thing to do did she do you think she maybe felt any sense of responsibility to Buffy as Buffy's friend or I mean those two don't also have to be mutually exclusive I think it was definitely as Buffy's friend I mean I I think that Willow does have a strong moral bent a lot of times but I don't know that we would have seen her stand up for Buffy in that way if she and if she and Buffy didn't ha- just have this moment the night before where Buffy saves her life. Oh right, that was the night before. I think so. Buffy, she's known Buffy for like two days. I don't know if that's really the timeline, but no, that's it sort is of my impression. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. so brave of her. Did they just both Xander and Willow? I mean, I know Xander was Xander annoyed the shit out of me in this episode, but I do appreciate how quickly they just jumped on the train and were like down to help and just accepted it all in stride god what a great character willow was this episode and it's a bit of a bummer for her that 23 years later her overalls are so in vogue why is that a bummer well it's not a bummer she's doing great but like i wish everyone could have appreciated her overalls oh right like at the time she's sort of like dorky but it's like no she's actually just way fashion forward like like really 23 years (laughs) really forward 
One thing that I was thinking too about in terms of responsibility in this episode was Giles's responsibility to Buffy. So unlike Xander, Giles recognizes that Buffy is the person to go to when someone is kidnapped by a vampire and needs saving. That's kind of Buffy's whole thing. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if there's any conflict that Giles feels as Buffy's watcher and then also as an actual maybe mentor or like person affiliated with the school. I mean, Giles knows that Buffy is skipping class. Is it at all his responsibility to help Buffy excel not only as the Slayer but also just as a young woman in high school? I think as her watcher there is an implied responsibility that he has for her development as an entire person in the world that she has to function in. Right. And maybe in order to truly fulfill his responsibility to Buffy, Giles needs to have a more holistic view of her growth and development. As a person. As a person. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know. At the same time, there's like an apocalypse coming. So th- this is really important. Like there's not going to be a school for her to go to if the apocalypse comes. I just there, I just want there to be space for Buffy to exist as like a normal high school person. <laughs> Keita, there's one more topic on responsibility that I wanted to navigate with you. And tell me if you think that this is too far-fetched or too much of a stretch. So it's kind of about the idea of inherited responsibility. Both Giles and Buffy have sort of inherited this responsibility. Giles, I don't think, chose to be a watcher and Buffy didn't choose to be the Slayer. This is a thing that's been passed down for generations. And it sort of made me think about in in the U.S. right now, we're seeing a growing awareness of the atrocities committed against black people in this country that have happened in the past and are still happening currently so there's this growing idea of reparations for for african americans who are descendants of slaves and one argument against that is white people thinking like oh well i personally didn't own slaves why should i have to pay more money when i didn't do the bad thing and i'm wondering about like inherited responsibility and if there's a parallel or connection there. So a parallel I see between the situation of Buffy and a lot of white Americans today is that Buffy's inherited responsibility comes with this gift of super strength. And white people in America have inherited this privilege that has accrued over generations. And Buffy has this responsibility to fight vampires. And I think because white people have inherited this privilege and these benefits from their ancestors, we in a way have the responsibility to work against that and to try and fix those mistakes and those crimes. And as we're trying to draw this parallel between reparations for slavery and inherited responsibility in Buffy. I just want to point out, um, especially, I, I actually was just talking about this with my friend Koji, who helped me realize that it's easy sometimes to think that racism or racial inequality today is 
only stemming from this original sin of slavery. And while the repercussions of slavery are obviously enormous, putting too much emphasis on that makes it easy to ignore that racial inequality is actually reproduced every day and is still happening. You know, by only putting reparations in the context of slavery, that sort of fails to acknowledge the everyday inequalities that white people and institutions created by white people in the U.S. are continuously perpetuating. Wow, I love that you brought that up, Madeline. Yeah, and I, I think this might be a good time to include that as we're talking about these issues, we're talking as two white women, and we recognize that there is a risk in talking about stuff that we don't understand in the way that someone who is a person of color would. And we recognize that we're definitely going to make mistakes when we talk about these things, but it's really important for us to address these problems like racism and sexism that we see as we're watching Buffy. And we want to make sure that we're not celebrating this show without holding it to account for the ways in which it's part of the white supremacist system. So please, if you're listening and you're noticing ways in which we can do better, either with our wording or with our concepts, we would love to hear from you. We're always trying to do better and be better, and we would love to receive feedback from our listeners on this point. Do you want to move into our next section, Madeline? Yeah, I would love to. Would you like to talk about what we liked or didn't like as much first? Hmm. Let's talk. Okay. Let's talk about what we liked. Sure, sure. <laughs> Oh, where to start? <laughs> I'm glad you liked a lot of things about this episode because this was not one of my favorites. Really? I There were a lot of things that... Little moments. Yeah. I think we had one of the first moments where you and I just aren't going to be able to keep up with the cultural references of the time. <laughs> she goes... Buffy tells Xander and Giles... We don't have to go super deep into this, but she tells them to don't go wild bunch on me. And I just felt too young to understand so i looked it up great i was gonna say i don't know what that sure. is and wild bunch was like a western movie from 1969 and it's basically a bunch of like men doing whatever they have to do to survive and i guess it was considered really violent for the time so <laughs> basically she's don't telling them to not go crazy yeah right but over my head there are definitely tons of references that i don't get i'm glad you looked it up maybe i should try to do that Anything you really like this episode? Yes, I really, I really enjoyed the little quick interaction between Angel and Buffy, and I'll tell you why. Um, well, first of all, it's always funny to see Angel. It's <laughs> <He's> quite awkward. It's <laughs> so awkward. Um, but the thing that I really liked about it was that he basically is like, "Hey, you're walking into a trap." And then she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go anyway. And then he's like, cool, go down and then take a left. I mean, I tried to stop you. You're going to do it anyway. So with that, here's my blessing. And here are the directions. Other than that, of course, I loved the scene where, uh, oh, well, I loved it at the end. Oh, there are a couple of things, actually. Yeah. Okay. Sure. There are some other things that I liked. I liked how the way that Buffy killed Luke at the end was with her wit and basically we get to see that Buffy isn't just strong and athletic and good at fighting. She's also smart and resourceful. Right. And that the way she tricks him into thinking the sunlight is coming in, 
it's a caricature of vampire shows in general. Like, no, you forgot the sun. And then it's just Elaine. She's like, no, you idiot. The sun's not for nine hours. And then she gets him. I feel like the dramatic moment and then crashing a window and then the vampire like screams and is dissolved by the sunlight. Right. That's such a classic scene. Yeah. I bet Luke has like seen some movies about vampires and was like, oh no. Right. And he sort of like puts his hands above his eyes yeah. and he's like, oh. It was like an authentic reaction, but also he was like, oh, I've seen other vampires do this. And he right. puts his hands up. There was one other thing. Did you have something? You have another thing to say? Sure. No, hit it. Okay. There, there was one other thing that I really liked. And it's right after her mom grounds her. And then she's like, oh, well, I have to go anyway. And she gets into her trunk. And um, when she opens the trunk, there's a layer in the trunk of like ribbons and bows and lots of girly things and then she takes that off and underneath it is like stakes and holy water and all the vampire slaying gear and I really liked the symbolism of that and how the trunk is just like Buffy who on the outside is just this girly girl and her secret identity is this layer. Keita, any other moments that sparked joy? Oh, another thing. <laughs> I know there's a lot, but at the beginning when Giles, Buffy, and Willow, and Xander are in the library, and Giles is explaining to everyone that Buffy's a slayer, don't tell anyone, Willow says, can we just call the cops? And Buffy is like, they won't do anything. They'll just come. Wait, she has a quote. Did you, did you write it down? I wrote it down. Okay, what'd she say? They couldn't handle it even if they did show up. They'd only come with guns. Yes. What it made me think of immediately was the fact that the cops are called to a lot of problems that they can't solve. And a lot of times they make it worse because they come with guns instead of real solutions to the problem. Enter Buffy. Thanks for bringing that up, Madeline. This is a great transition into things we didn't like about the episode. Absolutely. Did you have anything to lead with? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, so the the thought about like police only coming with guns blazing made me think of obviously the Black Lives Matter movement, which connects to a moment at the end of the episode where the first offering that is brought to Luke, which Luke is acting as a reminder to the audience as a vessel for the master. And the first person to be sacrificed to Luke is the bouncer, who is a black man. And it's the first time in the show, I think, so far. So we're at the very end of episode two. And it's the first time we've seen a person of color say anything. And within like maybe a minute or 45 seconds of him saying the first line he says, he's killed. And so I wanted to get into that a little bit with you. Because it's frustrating to see the first black character killed off so quickly and I think it's also something that happens in a lot of other shows. And I think that didn't have to be the first black character who spoke. That didn't have to be the first black character with a voice. And the per first person who was killed didn't have to be that bouncer. In the same episode where Buffy's acknowledging that police often come with guns, which is an issue that affects people of color disproportionately, in that same episode... They're also killing of the first black person with speaking lines. And yeah, this is a common theme that happens in the horror genre specifically. And what it does is, A, it signals to the audience that black people are expendable. 
and it I, I think it's also serves to try to build the scariness of the villain because it's like oh we as a society have villainized black men and if the big bad villain can kill a black man then that means it's extra big and bad I think what this also helps me realize is that while Buffy we really see Buffy as a character as like a feminist icon and the show as a feminist show but it can't be I mean you can't have feminism without black people and this really hammered home for me that it's not a feminist show it's a white feminist show what else did you not like about this episode (laughs) god Giles doing it again he did get really close to Willow. He got way too close. And he stayed there. He like hung over her shoulder he like like a bat. Like a bat. Like anything that hangs over people's like shoulders. A... Maybe white men trying to help you with your computer problems. Rest some information from that dread machine. I think he needs to take a little course in personal space. Maybe the school yes. could provide like some sexual assault training. Uh I think Giles could really learn a lot from that. And last episode that happened, I sort of made a point of like, oh, well, Buffy's really strong. So maybe he doesn't, you know, need to be worried about encroaching on her personal space. But this is Willow now. He also, I never see him getting that close to Xander. You make a good point. Yeah. We addressed Xander's pouting already oh, yeah. in our discussion oh, of the right. theme. Can, yeah. Can we, but can we maybe spend a little more God, time with it? it. <laughs> I'm inadequate. That's fine. I'm less than a man. So dramatic. And cut. can we just, I don't know if it was really ever made clear how much harder he makes Buffy's life. Yeah, let's talk about that. So in what what ways does he make it harder? He contributed nothing to the Jesse rescue mission. She was like, do you have steaks, holy water, garlic? Uh, No, 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 I didn't bring any of that. But I got this flashlight. No, turn it off, you idiot. Yeah. There's the, and I definitely agree he shouldn't have been there because if he wasn't there, Buffy would have been fine. But I, there is that one moment where Buffy's trying to close the door when oh, they're trapped in right. that scene and she's like, Xander, help me. And then he like helps her and then they can close the door. Right. Okay. Sure. This is a thought. Part right. of me wonders if she was pretending to not be able to close the door so as to preserve his ego. Like she, come on. She she could have closed the door. She could have closed the door. Was, you know, like she can no. break locks. She can like kick down things. <laughs> she could have closed this goddamn door. <laughs> That's nice of you, Buffy. But I think we just have to let tough love, you know. But she's you know she's this a person in a new school. She has like two friends, and right. she you know is young. When you're young, it's hard to recognize that preserving men's egos not something that we're taught to do as women what we haven't done to preserve men's egos <laughs> literally oh yeah and then he kicks a trash can because he's so upset that jesse's a vampire remember that but then when when he kills jesse like there's no remorse like there's no moment of him feeling bad they're just like all happy at the end like can we like there was no moment where he was like sad <laughs> On the other hand, this opens a, a broader issue, which is that so many people die in this town and so many children. I don't know. There have to be like one to two childless families every week. The way I've rationalized it is that the town is on a hellmouth. They've always been on a hellmouth. And so their whole perception of a normal death rate is completely skewed. And so they just think that this is totally normal and it's like a non-event when a child dies and everyone's just constantly mourning. <laughs> I'll buy it. 
All right, Madeline, are you ready for a fun game of Mary Fuck Kill? Kito, yeah, I'm super ready. All right, I've got Angel, Willow, Cordelia. Oh my gosh, Kita! Wow, I'm loving these the selection. It's gonna be hard, but I'm loving this so much more than last week's selection. Okay, so Angel, Willow, and Cordelia. Okay, so Cordelia really, I think I have to kill Cordelia. Let me explain. I recognize that she looks absolutely freaking killer at the bronze, like her outfit, her hair. The, she's dancing. She's having fun with her friends. She looks really good at the bronze. However, that does not make up for the fact that she is being pretty shitty earlier in the episode when she's in the computer lab and spreading rumors about Buffy and that's not the kind of person that I want to be with physically for a night or for the rest of my life so I think I'm gonna kill her Madeline great job remembering that one of the rules of this game is that we only judge the characters based on how they behaved in that particular episode oh I this is easy I'm definitely gonna fuck Angel and Mary Willow. Angel is not someone I want to talk to for very long. <laughs> he, he's pretty annoying. Like Buffy's right. Yeah, Buffy's right. He is really annoying. And Willow is so great. Willow is resourceful. She is smart. She she also saves Giles with holy water. Oh my god. Wait. 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 Is Willow the hero of this episode? Willow's the hero of this episode. Oh my god. Yeah, Willow's definitely going to be my life partner. Could be really helpful for like, I don't know, tax purposes to have someone who's so good at hacking into the city council's website. Absolutely. Sometimes marriages are also about economy. Right. I do. I mean, I am for taxes. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. You're so right. Hey, yeah. maybe she could like, <gasps> I bet she could tax Jeff Bezos. Yes. I bet she could do it. Yes. Okay, great. Keita, your turn. Okay, let me, let me think. Vamp Jesse. <laughs> sorry. Xander. Oh, okay. One of these ones. I know. I'm so sorry. And Cordelia. Oh, you really reminded me how Cordelia wasn't a great character this episode. She was mean to Willow, mean to Buffy. Xander was wince. God. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, I don't want to marry any of them. That's okay. That's going to be the hard one. See, because I'm kind of tempted to fuck Jesse because he kind of got the sexy on with Cordelia at the bronze. I think maybe it was because he wanted to kill her and drink her blood. I think I'm going to marry Cordelia. She's not nice, but I think she could probably get me a lot of good tea. Yes. And I think I could be on her good side enough to not be the subject of the tea i'm still going to fuck jesse and i'm just gonna kill off xander i'm glad that you're killing xander yeah i wish i could kill xander in this episode thank you for tuning in to the second episode of that slayer show we hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you'll come back next week for season one episode three theme coming coming in hot stay tuned this is how we keep y'all interested thank you so much to holly colvin for the epic 
cover art and this podcast was inspired by Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and subscribe and follow us on Instagram at That Slayer Show. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 